The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. Welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, and my name is Steven. And today, I am going to take two well-known superhero teams and pit them against each other. In one corner, we have, from Marvel Comics, the Avengers. In the other corner, from DC Comics, the Justice League of America. Who is the better team? Well, that's not really why I'm here. That's that's really not the purpose of this podcast. If it was, I would tell you the Avengers because that's my favorite team of the two. And that's my opinion. Your mileage may vary. There's really no way for me to tell you which team is better because in the end, I would just tell you, like I said, what my opinion is. And your opinion, well, you may agree. You may disagree. Sure, I could go through just freaking terabytes of data compare sales records and all that crap. But that's that's not the point. That's not what I'm trying to do here with this episode. Basically, what I'm doing here is I read two trade paperbacks over the last few weeks. One was an Avengers Volume 1 trade paperback, and one was a Justice League Volume 1 trade paperback. They were both books from the last 10 years, and both of them had one thing in common. Each trade, each storyline was about the band getting back together. When the story began, there was no team. When the story ended, there was a team. And so what I thought I would do is just talk about them and then tell you which one I liked best. Now, I didn't plan this. I was actually laying in bed last night thinking about what I was going to record today. And I just, it just hit me. Hey, I just read those two books recently. Let's talk about that. Now, the Avengers book I read was Avengers Volume 1, The Final Host. This is from October of 2018, and it was done by Jason Aaron, Ed McGinnis, Paco Medina, and Sarah Pichelli. The Justice League book I read was JLA Volume 1, The Tornado's Path. This was from July of 2007, so I guess that, that is a little bit, a little bit more than 10 years ago, but that was by Brad Meltzer and Ed Benes. Now, on the face of things... Both of these trades each have one thing going for it that the other one doesn't. For example, the Avengers trade, well, it's the Avengers. They're my favorite team. So they already have that going for them. That's already in their corner. I already have that in my mind as I'm trying to compare both of these books. The Justice League, what they have going for it, what that book has going for it. This is the second time I've read this story. The Avengers story, when I read it, a week or so ago, first time. Justice League, just read it last night, second time I've read it, and it's during a period of time that I was really into the Justice League and DC Comics. And right now, this Avengers story is during a time in Marvel Comics that I've been trying to get back into Marvel Comics and haven't quite succeeded yet. So both have their advantages. The Avengers story starts out 
with Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. They're meeting in a bar, and they're talking about getting the Avengers back together. Now, a lot of stuff has happened just within the last few years that they make reference to that's familiar to me. It sounds familiar because I've been trying to keep up on stuff peripherally through news, you know, comic book news sites. So, for example, they make reference to the fact that Tony Stark had been in a coma and have no idea what that means. Steve Rogers uh, was recently a Hydra agent, and I remember that being a big controversial thing. And Thor was dead. I, I don't know. He's got a golden arm or something. I know that for a while there, Jane Foster was Thor, and so this is his return as Thor, apparently. And in this book, they take on the Celestials. Now, right away, I'm having trouble getting into this book because, A, they're making a bunch of references to stuff that I don't understand, that I was not around for, so I'm already a little bit out of it. And then the concept of fighting Celestials is just, it's just a big concept. It's just a great big freaking concept. And here's the thing. I did try to read Scott Snyder's Justice League, trying to be a little bit more current with the Justice League, tried to read some of his. And I did not get very far in that. The concepts he was throwing around in that book were so huge that I just couldn't wrap my mind around them. Now, I'm not saying that the Justice League or that the Avengers should handle more Earth-based, smaller threats, but it is nice when they do that once in a while. And right out the gate, they're both handling this big, giant, massive cosmic foe. Just these, again, these concepts that were too big for my mind, my little puny earth mind to, to wrap itself around. So I stopped reading that Justice League book. That was a number of weeks ago. And I just, I stumbled across the Justice League book I'm going to talk about today, just last night. But we're talking about the Avengers. We're talking about the final host. It involves Loki because of course you can't get the Avengers together or back together without Loki. Loki's the one that got him together in the first place. If you're going to get the main crew back together, you got to have Loki, even though Cap was not one of the main Avengers. He's not a founding Avenger. So the, in the end, the, the team of the Avengers that you get is the, the big three, Cap, Thor, and Iron Man. You also get Captain Marvel. You get Black Panther. You get She-Hulk, but they're just calling her Hulk now. And you get Ghost Rider. And I, I know I've talked about how I don't really like this character too much. And the only reason I have any issue with this character is because he's in a car, not nothing else. There's nothing about this guy. Well, that's not true. I don't like, it appears that he doesn't, it's not just a flaming skull on his head when he's the ghost rider. It's like he's got a flaming skull, but then it looks like he's got a plastic or I don't, I don't know what it's made of. It's freaking hell material. I don't know what it's made of, but it looks like he's wearing like a plastic Ghost Rider helmet or a plastic skull helmet over his flaming skull that has vents in it and the flames come out of the vents. And I just, I scratch my head at that. I don't understand that at all. I'm sure it, it was explained in his series and it probably made a lot of sense, but I can't get beyond his skull mask that he's wearing over his skull or, or his flaming head. I don't know. I don't know what he's got underneath there and I can't get past the car. However, there were a couple of times during this trade that the car was kind of cool. Actually, I'm going to skip forward because I started, I also read there's the second trade and there's a moment in the second trade when they're at the bottom of the sea racing towards something and Ghost Rider is in his car driving the, the flaming hell charger, as they call it, at the bottom of the sea. 
that's kind of cool. But otherwise, there's just something about a character tied to a car fighting other characters from within from within a car. I just, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't appeal to me. That's the only reason I don't like this guy. I could, I could deal with the motorcycle much better. But he does have one cool power. Apparently, a ghost rider, whatever vehicle they are in or controlling, turns into a ghost rider vehicle. So at one point... Ghost Rider gets into the this body of a fallen celestial and the celestial gets up and it's like a Ghost Rider celestial all of a sudden because they're fighting these celestials and Iron Man has this armor that he's had hidden behind freaking Mars that they spend a lot of the story he's talking to his his uh his computer Friday you know what's the ETA on the package 12 hours, it's 12 hours out and blah, blah, blah. And, and finally, when it arrives, it's a giant suit of armor that's as big as a, as a celestial. And he goes inside and he drives it. Thor and Hulk go to Asgard, visit Odin, and they get some kind of weird mystical egg and they each eat a bit of it. And then they turn into giants the size of celestials. So you got giant Thor, giant Hulk, giant Ghost Rider, and giant Iron Man fighting Celestials. Now on the ground, you've got all these bugs, these big human-sized bugs. They're part of this virus, and it they have something to do with them and the Celestials, and they're kind of what created superpowers on Earth, which I've never liked that. I've never liked that kind of stuff. What's wrong with Peter Parker being bitten by a radioactive spider? What's wrong with Captain America? taking a super soldier serum and that's it they still that's still how they got their powers but it's almost like they're saying well sure peter parker got bitten by a radioactive spider but the only reason that gave him superpowers was because these bugs and this virus and the celestials i don't like that everything doesn't have to be tied together in one big bow there doesn't have to be one single explanation for everything that's always the wonderful thing about superpowers is that they're random just a random dude or a random girl, or a random dog could get superpowers. But Loki, there's this whole thing with you. There, there's a team of Avengers at the dawn of man, prehistoric man. You've got a ghost rider riding a woolly mammoth. You've got the Phoenix Force inhabiting some woman. You've got Odin, who's basically playing the role of Thor. You've got the first Black Panther. You've got a Hulk with the star brand. No explanation there. And you have... um Agamotto, the original Sorcerer Supreme, which is cool, I suppose, but it's also a bit ridiculous and not the kind of ridiculous that makes me go, oh, that's freaking ridiculously awesome. There was also a lot of tension between Captain Marvel and Iron Man that I didn't understand at all until I went back just the other day and read Civil War II, and now I totally get that. Thor and She-Hulk, who I'm supposed to be calling the Hulk now, they're apparently going to be a thing. Or they may be at this point. I mean, again, this book came out in 2018. They may be a thing now. I don't know. Hulk is Jennifer Walters. She's, it's no longer where she's just walking around in the Hulk body all the time, her brain. It's now Savage Hulk. But she can still kind of, she still kind of has some control. I don't know what's going on there. Now, the, the, I can't even tell you at this point how they ended up winning the day. I honestly don't remember. But I do know that when all is said and done, because they had like celestials at one point just falling from the skies and landing on cities and causing mass destruction and bugs coming out of the earth and uh, Doctor Strange and Black Panther were underground investigating these bugs and apparently Doctor Strange wears jeans now and Ghost Rider is just riding around and 
bugs are coming out and the Hulk is there. And it's kind of a weird way. It, it, it The way they got together almost feels, almost felt kind of forced. Captain Marvel, I understand it was a cosmic event. Captain Marvel is in charge of, at the time, Alpha Flight, which is like our space police, basically. So her being involved makes sense. The Ghost Rider part, though, just had a problem with Ghost Rider. I know that Jason Aaron's a big Ghost Rider guy. I get it. I just don't like that version of the character, only because of the car. Now, over on the Justice League side, back in 2007, Brad Meltzer's writing the book. He did Identity Crisis, and then he starts doing the Justice League. And there's this whole thing throughout the book where Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman are sitting around a table in the Bat Cave trying to decide who to invite to the new Justice League. And they have photographs of all the all the members that they're thinking. Basically, practically any superhero that any one of them might want to ask to join the Justice League. And they're discussing it and looking at the picture. And then they vote if they want to ask the person in. And I always find whenever they have photographs of superheroes in these comic books, I always have to wonder who's taking the photo It's a pretty rare day that an artist creates a photo of a superhero and doesn't just basically make it into, it's like they're designing a comic book cover. They're looking at a photograph of Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, and it's him in space. Who took that photo? He's flying in space. I don't know, maybe he flew past a a shuttle and they somebody inside snapped a photo. But most of these photos, and I'm going to use air quotes, quote unquote photos, They don't look like they were snapped by somebody. They don't look like it was a superhero caught unaware while they're fighting a supervillain or coming out of their house to take out their trash. It doesn't look like that. It looks like they're posing for the front of a uh, comic book cover. And that always throws me out of stories. So they're trying to decide who they're going to vote on. and, and, And Brad Meltzer uses this as a way to just go through all these superheroes and kind of give you his thoughts on why somebody would work and why somebody wouldn't work in the Justice League. Well, as this is going on, Red Tornado, who is a robot with a human soul, apparently, the robot had died, and whenever that happens, his soul jumps, in, jumps back into the, into the robot body at some point or, or into one of the older versions, and his wife is waiting for this to happen, and it doesn't happen, and it's taking too long, and you see him hanging out on the astral plane with Dead Man, and Dead Man takes him to the city morgue where there's a, a body lying there that looks kind of like Red Tornado. And he's some duplicate from some supervillain that can duplicate himself. And the duplicate, it's like a, a freaking clone that died of brain damage. And so he puts his own soul into this body and he becomes a human, but he still has his superpowers. And then at the same time, there's all this, there's this nefarious bad guy stuff happening behind the scenes. And you discover that dead man it wasn't dead man it was somebody else posing as dead man and somebody steals red tornado's robot body and there's this it turns out to be this whole nefarious plan by master criminal solomon grundy who knew that solomon grundy had a freaking brain most times i see solomon grundy he's either dc's version of the hulk or he's always saying solomon grundy born on monday and going through that whole rhyme as he's tearing stuff up But apparently, each time he comes back to life, sometimes he's smart. I didn't know this. Maybe that, I don't know if that's something that Brad Meltzer threw in. Is that a retcon? I don't know. I'm not as versed 
in Solomon Grundy history as maybe I should be. But he is trying to build a version of the Amazo robot using Red Tornado's body to become some kind of armor that he can wear so that Professor Ivo, I think that's who it was, who's like a mad scientist type who has spent all of his career trying to become immortal. He has become immortal and then realizes he doesn't want to be immortal. He wants to die. But apparently you have to have 13 immortals on Earth at any one time. You can't have any more, any less. I don't know if it's just Earth. Maybe it's in the universe. And so he's going to pass his immortality to Solomon Grundy, even though Solomon Grundy is, in essence, immortal because he keeps dying and coming back to life. But he doesn't want to do that anymore. He doesn't want to die anymore. And so he has to wear this suit of armor that's basically a mezo crossed with red tornado so that when Ivo gives him this immortality, apparently it's such a shock to the system that he has to wear this armor so he can take it. So there's all this stuff that's happening to lead up to that. For example, Vixen is involved. She gets her animal totem stolen. And I learned, maybe everybody else knew this, but I always thought that part of her her power, because she could tap into in the animal force and she can get the strength of a lion or fly like a dove or or have electricity like an electric eel. I thought it came from the totem, but it's the totem that regulates it. Without it, she can do all that, but she loses herself. At one point, she's she can track the totem with her mind. And so she uses the the um the powers of a of a pigeon or something, some kind of bird, so that she can fly. And then she loses herself and she thinks she's a pigeon. Black lightning is involved. There's this really weird relationship between Hal Jordan and Roy Harper, who is uh, Arsenal, who is the sidekick to Green Lantern. I don't quite understand what was going on there. Um, you find out in the end that that Green Arrow wanted Roy to be the new Arrow for the Justice League, and so he kind of worked with Hal to make that happen. And Roy, at the at by the end, he's no longer Arsenal; he's Red Arrow. And I don't think that lasted very long. I feel like that didn't last very long. I don't know. I don't quite remember. But eventually Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman get involved. And there's this really, there's this big fight between them and the Amazo robot that gets loose. And Red Tornado is fighting Solomon Grundy. And you find out that the body that they put him in isn't a good body and it's failing and he's going to die. And it's, it's this whole thing. And by the end of it, there's a new Justice League and they built a Hall of Justice, which looks just like the Hall of Justice from the Super Friends. And yet when you go into it, it's like there's, it's like that's the, uh, that's the showroom floor. People can come into the Hall of Justice and they can take tours. But if a superhero goes in and they go through a certain checkpoint, they go through a teleporter and they end up on the watchtower out in space. And there's this scene where they're showing Black Lightning, this giant room where they can train in and how it can do all these holographic projections so they can fight their enemies and practice. And he says, that's one dangerous room. And I thought, ha ha, clever, danger room, get it? Ha ha. I didn't, I didn't really do that. So the Justice League you end up with is Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. I think Batman was there. I, I Now I can't remember. There was this whole back and forth near the end on whether or not Batman was actually going to join, but Superman, Wonder Woman, Red Arrow, Vixen, Black Lightning, Hawk Girl, Red Tornado. I feel like that's it. So let's talk about the art between both issues because I like the art in both issues for different reasons. Ed McGinnis did the art for most of the Avengers trade, and I really like Ed McGinnis. 
I think he delivers kind of an animated, he's got kind of an animated style, but everybody is just muscly and bulky. Thick is the word I think of when I think of Ed McGinnis's style. Then you got Ed Benes over on the Justice League, and I like his style too. He's got a real cheesecake kind of style though. He's known for drawing the ladies. So there's a lot of women's derrieres in this book. Literally, there is a ton of women's booty in this book. I think I'm leaning kind of towards Ed McGinnis, but I think overall between the two books, I enjoyed the Justice League book better. There was something about that time. Okay, let me see if I can try to explain this. The Avengers book, even though it had all these different folks in it from different corners of the Marvel Universe, didn't feel like it had a lot of connection with the Marvel Universe. There's just something about the Marvel books these days. And again, I'm not reading a lot of them, but sometimes you'll read a book like that and maybe this is just something that's outside of what's happening everywhere else, but it doesn't really feel like it's part of the universe. It feels segmented. You know, I know for a while there, back in the 90s, I think it was, they had your, your Avengers books, your Fantastic Four, your, your, your X-Men, and your Spider-Man, and they're all in their own different world. They just seemed like, even though they're all in the same universe, they're all happening on their own different Earths. This kind of, it just, it just didn't feel, to me, it didn't feel connected to the greater Marvel Universe. Now, a part of that is probably due to the fact that I'm not reading any of these other books. So that's probably more me than anything else, than anything Jason Aaron may have done. I'm sure that's a huge part of it, the fact that I'm not reading any of these other books. Justice League, on the other hand, there's just something, there was something that they started to do, I felt like it started around that time, where most of these heroes, they knew each other, and they knew each other by name. Everybody knew everybody's secret identities. Most folks... Most of these people, when they talk to each other in this book, they're calling each other by their, by their given name, not by their superhero name. Superman is Clark. Batman is Bruce. Wonder Woman is Diana. Black Lightning is Jefferson. Red Arrow is Roy. Green Lantern is, ha- is Hal. You know, they, 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 there just seems to be a, a, a closeness amongst all these heroes that I didn't feel at all in this Avengers book. But I don't think you were supposed to feel a closeness in the Avengers book. I feel like you should have felt a closeness between Captain America and Iron Man and Thor. And yet you always, there's always this weird thing ever since Civil War, there's, it, it, I, I don't know. Again, I didn't read a lot of books after Civil War, but maybe they're trying to cap and Iron Man don't quite get along. Civil War II, a lot of that with Iron Man, if you've read it, seemed to be almost Iron Man trying to make up for the fact that he was such a jerk in Civil War. I don't know. I liked Justice League better. But I think it's because when I first read that book, I had been reading a ton of DC books. I was in to the DC universe. I was in there. I knew what was going on in, in most corners of the DC universe. Whereas the Avengers, other than what's going on in, in Hawkeye Freefall right now, I don't really know what's going on in, in the Marvel universe. Because if we're going to pit this Avengers book against a current Justice League book, volume one of the Scott Snyder run, I'd go with the Avengers because I didn't even get five, six, seven pages into that Scott Snyder book because I wasn't smart enough. You know, that's how I felt. There was this just freaking, I don't know, there was this such big ideas in that book that I just couldn't quite wrap my head enough. Wrap my, I just couldn't quite wrap my head around them enough to thoroughly enjoy it. But again, that's just my opinion. I'm just one guy. I'm one guy out of thousands of guys and girls out there that love comic books. Your mileage may vary. You may agree, you may not agree, 
One thing I do know is that my name is Steven and I'm just another fanboy and this is the end of my episode. Be nice to each other. I'm out. Just Another Fanboy is a presentation of the Stephen or Else podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at stephenorelse.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash stephenrorr and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show about whatever crawls its way into my tiny little mind just moments before I tap record. You can find me on the World Wide Web at stephenorelse.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram by searching for at stephenorelse. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave us a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. Just Another Fanboy is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find that over at comicspodcasts.com. All links will be in the show notes. Good job.